Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here alongside Corey Pronman back with another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. Uh, Corey and I were both at the uh, BioSteel All-American game in Plymouth this week. We're going to talk about that. Corey uh, promptly got back from the game and, and put out a new set of 2022 draft rankings. We'll get to that and then some fun mailbag questions that we'll end with. Um, but first of all, Corey, do you miss me already? <laughs> Only mildly. Um <laughs> No, it was, it was a great weekend in hockey. You got to see the All-American game. I uh, saw the program play once, another USHL game, and I went off to see Michigan uh, play Penn State. Um, so very productive weekend, seeing a lot of good junior, uh, not junior, but junior in college uh, hockey. And uh, and obviously it, that, that led into uh, the article I published on Wednesday. We're going to get to that uh, in a minute. A lot of really good stuff, a lot of interesting stuff that we'll get to there. But um, let's start with the All-American game because I think uh, we, we had a conversation after about the second period at, at that game. I, I came and found you on the concourse and asked you uh, what you thought so far. And uh, I, I think your answer was uh, all, all the obvious guys look good. And I think that's a pretty good way to, to sum up the game. A lot of the top NTDP players, uh, Cutter Gauthier, Jimmy Snuggerud, Logan Cooley, I thought looked like the best player on the ice, as you would expect. Um, those guys were Rucker McGroarty looked like looked like the best players in the game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, if again, like I said, all the program guys I thought stood out. I didn't think there was like a surprise USHL or high school guy that came in and and did a lot more uh, than you would have expected. Uh, I think if anybody had any kind of theory that Logan Cooley wasn't the best USA prospect in this year's draft, I think it would. Have been, would have been hard to come away from that game uh, still believing that. I think he, he looked um, – he, I think he looked like he had the puck, or at least his line had the puck anytime he was on the ice, um, you know, really stood out. Um, and, and just like I mentioned all the other program guys, whether it was Gauthier or uh, Snuggerud, McCrory, Nazar, uh, Howard, they just looked like uh, Casey, uh, Hudson. They just looked kind of a little bit of a level above the rest of the guys. 
Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. And every every one of those guys did it a little bit differently. I mean, the three of those guys we just mentioned, McGroarty, Gautier, and Snuggerud played on a line. Um, and, and that line, I think, proved to be pretty overpowering with the exception of, as you said, when they got matched up against uh, Cooley, but but provided plenty of offense. And Gautier is a guy that we're going to get to in the rankings, but I, I wanted to start with him a little bit here because he has seemed to kind of elevate his stock. He, he jumped from outside of your um, top 32 into the top 20 in, in these rankings. And I think you saw why a little bit in that game, big, powerful skater with a big shot. And that's a package that to NHL teams – you know, that that's, gives you a really good floor there, basically. Yeah, I think it's a combination of things with Gauthier. I think, you know, he started, he was kind of always like a second, third line winger on this team over the last year and a bit. Uh, of late, he's been playing center and playing it effectively, which I think has intrigued a lot of NHL personnel, given he's 6'2", 6'3", and skates well, and can play the middle, and is showing some offense that combination, I think, is getting people excited. There's a little bit of a question how much offense he has. Uh, I think the shot is really high end. Uh, I worry about his playmaking a little bit. He has zero assists so far on the season in, in the USHL. Not a great statistic. Um, but I think he has good hands, a very good shot, as I said before. Um, and, I, and I understand why this player on the rise, although it's not a player who I talk to people around the league. Some people love this guy, and some people think he might just be a third, fourth line forward. He did have an assist in this game. It was not a uh, yes. a high end play. It was off an entry, and he just kind of d- uh, dropped the puck off to Snuggerud, who who wired it home. But he did have an assist there, so I, it doesn't count for the USHL. But let's. Uh, but it was against sure USHL players. It was so maybe it counts. It was actually so. This is one thing I wanted to talk about this game. I thought that the game made a really smart decision this year by mixing up the teams. Last year we watched the NTDP really control last that two game. years, actually, last couple yeah. years. Yeah, that's right. And this year they mix them up and, and it led to, I thought, a much, it was an overtime game for one. Um, yes. but, but you got some kind of cool, I mean, there was a moment early, I think it might have been the first period where McGrory stood up Logan Cooley in, in the neutral zone and, and those two guys are teammates. That's something you're not going to see a whole lot in, in, in the game. And I thought it made for a much better um, scouting environment and a much better game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, several years ago when they used to hold this game in September, uh, and they would bring guys in from the program and the CHL and the USHL in high school. Uh, that was the way they did it. They just blended the teams. And yeah, I agree. You know, the USHL is a good league and they have good players, but just you've seen the last couple of years, they use, they don't have enough of a roster there to be able to match up against the NTDP. Uh, given that they're usually the best USA players tend to go to the NTDP in a given age group. Um, so I thought this format made a lot more sense and made for a much better game and showcase for the USHL. It, it was fun to see too, you know, some of the guys get, get paired up with uh, maybe guys that they're not used to playing every single day with. I think that's a, that's a good thing for, for, uh, for the game, for, for, for scouting environment. McGrory was the player of the game. We mentioned him with the big hit. Um, he, he ended up with a secondary assist on the uh, Snuggerud goal, but, but he also had a really nice goal that was, I, I would say, pretty typical of, um, him a great shot. He actually, you know, had to win a, a race to the pocket, and yeah. that I think was important because one of the questions on him is his feet. I thought, yeah. you know, that was an encouraging goal to see him score. Yeah, no, for sure. He's really competitive. He's, you know, you mentioned the hit on Logan Cooley. In general, I think he's a highly competitive player. He has skill. Uh, the skating is quite awkward, and I think that's the kind of the debate around him is: is he for sure a first rounder or not because of the skating? Um, but it was a promising game for him. Uh, a promising game for his other NTDP teammates. And one guy I saw kind of wanted to mention, he was a USHL player, played on the line with Frank Nazar, Cam Lund, 
Um, don't think he was a top player at that event, but I think you see 6'2", good skater, has skill. Um, I liked him in a couple of the games I watched on the weekend, too. I think he's a highly intriguing guy, a guy I think will definitely be has a, has a good chance to be a top 60 pick in the, in the summer. Anybody else that that, uh, that popped for you or just you thought had, had a notable game one way or the other in this game? Uh, no, I think that we think we kind of touched on everybody. You know, there's some guys like down the line, like a Ben Strinden or something like that, who might who are reentry guys who you know look like they compete. He competed well, has a chance to be a late round pick. But turn like the premier guys, I think were Lund and the NTDP players. The one guy, and I asked you about him at the game. I don't know that he had a particularly notable game, but but Sam Renzel is a guy who jumped from high school into the USHL, yeah. um, and and he was there. And so I, I think you could kind of see the, the outlines of the toolkit there. Six four skates pretty well. Um, I, I think I don't know that he, he made a big impression at this game, but but I think it's going to be he's a player that I'm interested in in the second half how he does in the USHL. Yeah, and the, the kind of he says six four good skater. I, I've heard a little bit minority opinions of late one early two buzz with him. Um, probably more of a second rounder. I'm about to guess if the draft happened right now because of the fact that he hasn't played consistently high level hockey. He got a couple of games in the USHL with Waterloo where he played very well and he played the Lincoln Gretzky where he was, had some flashes. And that's kind of a tough part with, with evaluating, uh, players who play high school hockey is, um, if they're not like truly dominant high school players, which I wouldn't characterize the season as such, um, you're basically taking a leap of faith saying he's going to, you know, project great to higher levels because he has the skating and, 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 and the size and he has a little bit of offense. Not sure. It's great. It's a great puck game, but some offense um, probably wasn't his best game, but he's still a guy. I know there's a lot of optimism about looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's move now into your rankings. I, I, do we call these the midseason rankings? What's the uh, what's the official title of this one? Yeah, I think that's fair. I Last year it was kind of an, an odd way of doing it because of the fact that we didn't have CHL hockey for long stretches, but you know, I, I there was an October. There was a this is a this is a mid season one, and then there will probably be an end season one, roughly sometime around the spring, whether it's May or, or June. All right, so we'll, we'll call this the mid season, and uh, and it, it starts, I guess, familiarly with the guy who who we've expected to be number one the whole way at, at number one. He's in uh, the only player in your kind of bubble NHL All Star top of the lineup tier. And that, of course, is is Kingston's Shane Wright. Uh, yeah, and and I should know that's a that's a half tier below where I had him in October, um, but I still think he is uh, the number one prospect in this year's draft. Um, very well rounded player who can play the middle. Probably doesn't have anything about his toolkit that will be at the, t- the very very best in, on an NHL team. Maybe his shot. Uh, but just a player with no discernible flaws, who does a lot of things at an NHL level, uh, is a very promising prospect. You know, the, the question I think with Wright is, you know, is he a number one pick that's going to change your franchise, or is he just a, a nice number one pick, an average number one pick who's going to be an excellent, excellent player? Uh, I think most NHL scouts at the moment lean to the latter. 
Well, and that's a pretty significant, um, I guess, development because I, th- I think when, when you looked at the hype coming in, like there was a lot, and, and there often is. You know, it, it's it's always funny. I think kind of the guy two years out is always seen as the franchise saver, and then you get to the year of, and the scrutiny picks up. Yeah, and the hype. I think you know you can blame the media or whatnot. I've I've hyped him up before, but I think the hype is a lot on him too. I mean, you score forty goals as a fifteen-year-old in the OHL. He goes to the U eighteen World Championships as a sixteen-year-old as arguably the best player there. I think he scores something like nine goals in like five games, something like that. Uh, his play in prior years has deserved the hype he got coming into the season. But, you know, when you get new information, you have to adjust. And I still think he's an excellent, excellent prospect. But, uh, you know, the, the the shine on him has, has faded a little bit over the last six months. Well, I, I guess the question then that I have is, has has it faded to the point where, I mean, we, we still think he's a really good player, to your point. You still have him as your number one ranked player. The question I have is, is it now more conceivable that he does not go number one? Is there someone who, whether that be Logan Cooley, whether that be, um, I don't know, Yuri Slavkovsky, whether it be Ivan Miroshnichenko, a couple of the other guys you have in the top four, could one of those guys conceivably pass him? Yeah, I'm starting to hear that a little bit more. Not that some teams have... Those guys overwrite, but they're at least like particularly with Logan Cooley or Yurosovskovsky. I keep hearing that at least it's being discussed as like, hey, it's closer than we think. I think I think the reason why I don't think I'm hearing like it's a tight race is because with those two players, while they're excellent, excellent prospects in their own right, it's not like they're having monster seasons on their own. Um, and it's kind of one of those things where. You know, if we would have had a completed World Juniors, maybe something could have changed in that regard. You know, maybe you know Slovakia upsets somebody and Slavkovsky is huge or USA moves on a deep run. Logan Cooley's a second-line center and Shane Wright still struggles. And, and then all of a sudden, the narrative changes a little bit. Uh, so that's kind of where I think it's going to be tough for him to unseat Wright, at least at this current stage, because he, he's, he may not be having an amazing year, but it's not like Cooley's having a statistically historical year. Slavkovsky's got one goal in Liga this season. Um, there's probably a path where, like, if Cooley goes to the U18 World Championships and it's just unreal, like they win gold medal and he's one, he's the best player and just leads the end is, is, and is that good? That could be a variable. Slavkovsky's going to the Olympics in February. If he really pops versus men there, that could be a variable. So there, and right when he to continue to struggle, maybe Kingston, uh, you know, gets knocked out earlier than expected, like in the first, or second round. Those are kind of the paths I think that would need to happen. But as of now, I still think you would probably make a very strong bet that that right would be the first pick. All right. So I'm going to pull up one of the questions from that I had earmarked for the mailbag then in, in that context, because you, you did note, and, and this is from Zachary P, um, that, that Shane Wright may not be an elite NHL scorer when, when he gets to the league. What does that kind of mean in, in, in context? Would, would you estimate that if he plays an 82-game season, do you think he's a consistent 60 guy, a 70 guy? Um, he, he asked you, I think he's a Sens fan. Um, would you guess that Wright is a better player than Josh Norris, a guy who I know you feel is, is a legit top line center kind of contextualize for us. What is an elite scorer? Yeah, I think he's better. I think he's, uh, sorry. I think, you know, if you ask me, I, I love Josh Norris. Like Josh Norris has been, has looked awesome this season. So I, I think it would be close between the two of them. I think, uh, Wright's a better two way player, I would say. Um, and 
and there's you know there's a little bit more you got to take the gamble between the guy who's already in the NHL and proven in versus the junior the junior player. Um, I think you're hoping for right somewhere between I would say 55 to 70 points. I know it's a large range, but it's just projections um, with excellent two way play. And at the first line center, I think it's a guy who's a really important player. But I just am trying to say, you know, Lute, he's not, I don't think, you know, McKinnon, you know, Matthews, you know, so on and so forth. You know, the guy who's the, who's the star number one center, I think it's unrealistic to expect that kind of offense from him. Um, but I still think he's an excellent, excellent player. All right. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how things develop for Shane Wright the rest of the way here. But, one of the guys, you have him number two, Ivan Miroshnichenko. Uh, one of the commenters, Nam Danan, called you the last man on Miroshnichenko Island, which I thought was a funny descriptor. You have heard a, l- a little bit of people maybe questioning Miroshnichenko as the seasons wore on. Do you feel like the last man on Miroshnichenko Island? Why do you have him number two still? Um, not among NHL scouts I talked to. I would say, I would say most NHL scouts I talked to have him like in the three to six range right now. Um, I've talked to a minority that still have him as a number two player and some who would have him a little bit lower than that three to six range. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy who's U18 Worlds in April, like with Cooley, will be very, very important to seeing kind of where he finally slots into into the draft. Um, I think a lot was made over his cut from the World Junior team. Uh, It's not ideal, but... When I watched him with the U20 team in November, I didn't think he played poorly. I still thought he was one of their better players. Uh, my understanding is, too, is he was sick going into the camp. I don't know if it was COVID-related or not, um, but I do know he, he was sick going into the camp, so that might have affected the, the comments regarding his fitness. I haven't put all those puzzle pieces together, um, but I still – I've watched this guy for years. I think this is a guy with all the NHL assets. 6-1, good skater, really skilled, makes plays, highly competitive, uh, you know, really good shot. Um, I think you kind of saw when he's played versus junior players over the last few years, such as at the Hlinka Gretzky, the U18 World Championships last spring, um, that uh, he can be a, you know, a very impactful player. Um, that being said – if you know he was in last year's draft, he probably wouldn't be two for me. He's probably someone who's more three to five kind of thing. Um, I think it's just th- this draft in general. There hasn't really been a lot of players that have stood out that have elevated uh, their play. The two who have Joachim Kamel and, and Matt Savoy are undersized guys who are probably wingers. Um, Savoy has played center though this season in the, in the WHL. Uh, so those are those are values, but a lot of the top guys we mentioned, like Cooley, Slavkovsky, uh, Wright, uh, Connor Geeky, uh, they haven't had really big years. So Mirosashenko too hasn't had like an incredible year. But at the end of the day, I still think the toolkit, um, like kind of like with Wright, there's no discernible flaw other than the fact that he's not a center and uh, the fact that he is kind of you know playing VHL hockey. It's Tough to contextualize, but he is playing versus pros and has been scoring more of late. All right. Well, you talked about the center thing. Let's just go there right now because beyond Wright and Cooley, I think that's one of the the questions about this draft. It it probably does not – it's probably a factor here that I cover a team in the Red Wings that desperately uh, could use a a, a high-end center prospect and probably is not going to be in range to get Wright or Cooley. But I think that probably applies to several teams that are going to be picking um, in in kind of that 4 to 10 to 15 range. 
And I want to ask you, like, how many potential first line centers do you see beyond Wright and Cooley? Because you talk about Savoy, he's been a, a big name for years. And because of his size, I think, in large part, and maybe the skating at the size, um, it's a question whether he ends up as a center. Connor Geeky, not often maybe the dominant start, you would think. How many potential first line centers are there beyond Wright and Cooley? Well, for me, just the two, and two would probably be right on par, if not slightly above average for even draft to have two first line centers. Uh, probably more par, actually. Um, Savoy's interesting one. I've bumped up the skating from where I was previously on it, but I still think for 5'9, it's not like exceptional feat. And that's kind of a question that we have with Savoy is all right, you know, how many centers in the National Hockey League look like him? Where they're five foot nine, they're very skilled, they're they're good skaters, but not like exceptional skaters. And how many of those guys, never mind our top two line centers, but a first line center, I I would be hard pressed. I mean, your your mind goes to Brain Point, but Brain Point I think has a little bit more size than him. Yep, I think he does too. Yeah, so it's why a lot of scouts I talk to, not all of them, I think it's like 50-50 honestly on this think that's geeky will go ahead of Savoy when it's all said and done just because he's six foot three and a center and very skilled and has some physicality in him uh, even though the other one is lapping him in terms of production this season but P, there's a lot of people who think that at least one that the geeky is going to be an NHL center but there's a minority opinion who think he could be a first line center in the National League one thing that jumped out when I was reading the rankings I think you had Slavkovsky even listed as a center it- how plausible is that, that he could play center in the National Hockey League? That was, we pulled all that information from Central Scouting, um, and they have him as a center. I've never actually seen him play much center over the last two years. Um, it's possible he's played in he's played in the past, but whenever I've watched him play, I've, I've been as a winger, um, and I'm not sure. He has the size and the skating to be a center. I wonder if he has the all-around play to actually be an NHL center, though. And, you know, I, I talk about this with NHL people all the time about how hard it is to really find that premium center because, you know, you saw it in last year's draft with Mason McTavish and Mappineers. They go fast. Um, you know, it's why I think, you know, even if Cooley's not having the, like this monster t- statistical season, he's going to go, I think, second or third overall in this year's draft because uh, trying to find premium centers are, are a very difficult thing for NHL teams to do. And in his case, a, a elite skating and rather well-rounded one. The last guy at the position I wanted to talk about, Nathan Gaucher, um, big guy. He's he's a late birthday from last year. I wouldn't say he's blazing fast, but relatively powerful. Has had some offense at times. Uh, where does Gaucher fit into all of this? How high can he get? Is he more of a, a teens pick, or, or can he get into kind of that mix in the top ten? Yeah, I'm probably on the high side among NHL people I talk to on Gaucher, but I kind of see a lot of similarities between him and Geeky, um, in that they're both, I think, these big centers. They have good, they have some good, they have good skills. Probably not incredible skill, but good skill. Um, both have some power in the game. I think Gaucher's probably a little bit more well-rounded, and maybe Geeky has a little bit more touch. Uh, but they both play on very good teams. Uh, Quebec in the Q, Winnipeg in the Dub, and don't always get like the premium uh, power play time. Geeky is often on the second power play in Winnipeg, for example, where Savoy's on the first. And you know, I look at Gauthier. I see a six-three center with with some skill, who's competitive, uh, right shot center too. And I I think there's a lot of value there. Um, like I said, I think I'm on the high side among NHL people I talk to, but I see I see a guy with a chance to be a second line center in the, in the National Hockey League. 
beyond the center position, I thought it was interesting. You, you made the note. It, it's a forward heavy group at the top of this draft class. And, and the, the two names on defense that stand above the rest, Simon Nemitz and, uh, and David Juracek, um, you, you made the note like they could go really high if the draft was held today. You have them ranked, I believe, numbers four and six. Is that a they could go higher than four or six if the draft was held today? Well, you just think look at histor- look at history in terms of where the first defenseman goes in an NHL draft. You're you know typically inside the top three and definitely inside the top five. So I think you you will see at least one of those guys go inside the top five, um, and there's at least a chance there's two of them. Uh, now. I think most NHL people I talk to think that those two are the two guys at the top of the draft. There are minority opinions building for Pavel Mintikov and Saginaw and Owen Pickering and Swift Current. But as of now, I would say those two are the guys we expect to go very high in the draft because of their, uh, one, their just overall talent ability and two, their track record, having played very well versus men internationally over the last two seasons. Really glad you brought up Pick, uh, Pickering and Mintyakov because they are two of four guys who went from unranked in your like early season or, or preseason. I don't remember exactly the timing of that um, to midseason ranking. The other two being Gautier, who we mentioned earlier, and, and Adam Ingram from the USHL. Um, what have I? Get, we could we can do all four of them, but let's start with the two defensemen, Mintyakov uh, and uh, Pickering. What did they do to propel themselves up into the top twenty? Mintyakov is one that I think is definitely a guy who would. Yeah, whose ranking coming into the year was affected by not playing at all the previous season. Uh, because the season before, meaning uh, three seasons ago, sorry, two seasons ago, mind you, um, he was one of the more impressive prospects at the World U17 Challenge. Uh, it was a big part of why Russia won a gold medal there. And then he commits to Saginaw, doesn't play at all last season because the OHL shut down. And then he comes in and his hype started to build really quickly among, among scouts. You're starting to see a 6'2 defenseman. He's a really good skater. He can make a lot of really high-end offensive plays as a stick handler, as a rusher, as a passer. Uh, seems to defend well enough. So now people are getting really excited about this player. Um, starting a lot of text messages from people in the league um, over the last month or so that this guy's got a chance to go top 15. Um, so I think, you know, he's, he, he rose rather sharply uh, too, just because I think there was just an unfamiliarity with him. Owen Pickering, uh, I think he, he grew as a player, both in terms of his actual game and physically he's grown a lot over the last year or so. I think he popped from like six, one up to like six, four or something along those lines um, to go with pretty good skating for his size. He's showing offense. Um, Swift doesn't have a lot around him in Swift current, but it's still producing offense. Uh, so I think that's a guy who there's been a, a lot of interest in. Was not even part of Canada's U18 camp in the summer, but uh, I think for him, uh, he's a guy who should he go to play at a U18 World Championships in April, I think that's a that's going to be a pretty big event for him to prove whether he can go higher in the draft or not. And, and the last one you mentioned was Adam Ingram, who uh, didn't play USHL last season. Uh, comes in and is one of the leading scorers in the league right now for Youngstown, uh, 6-2 forward, was dabbled at center, but I think will probably be a wing in the NHL with skill, playmaking, and, and scoring ability. Anybody else uh, that, that I haven't brought up to you here that, that you feel like uh, kind of merits a little further elaboration here that you really want to talk about from, from this list of, of 32 at the midseason mark? I think we kind of, Mentioned, you know, a lot of them, the important ones. I think, you know, there's a 
Brad Lambert's future will be interesting one to monitor going forward. I still have him rated at a 12 on, on my list, um, but he's going to be the guy I think among uh, NHL teams is going to be debated a lot over the coming months in terms of because you could argue on pure overall talent, he's the most talented player in this draft. I mean, he is a dynamic skater. He's very skilled. Um, he has decent size. You saw at the World Junior when he's at his best. Man, did he look good. But that player shows up very infrequently. And I see, I've seen him lay eggs, a lot of eggs too. So I think I, I still like this player a lot because he is just so dynamic at times. Um, he just transferred to a new Liga team. I'll be very curious to see how he does there in the second half. And then time will tell how the rest of his career goes. All right, let's move now, Corey, uh, into the mailbag. Some good ones, some some a uh, little little more spicy ones, I think. Uh, today, Matt Bayer wants to know about uh, Nils Lundqvist and Braden Schneider, who have been attached to some trade talks. Uh, I don't know exactly where, but he wants to know what your thought on their on their play would be this year. And oh, would you trade him for a JT Miller? I guess that's probably the, the trade talks that he's referring to. I never heard about that one, but I think the Rangers are in a very interesting predicament. And it's a good predicament to be in is that they have a lot of very good young defensemen. I'm sure um, a lot of NHL managers would love to have that problem uh, where you have, I think, three excellent uh, young defensemen coming up who are not, you know, either been in the league or kind of in the league briefly in Braden Schneider, their first round pick a couple years ago, Niels Lundqvist, the first round year the prior year, and then Zach Jones, who was a third round pick, but has risen uh, rather sharply since the draft. Um, the issue I think really centers around Jones and, and Lundqvist in that you have these two players who are puck-moving defensemen, offense-driven defensemen, and they're competing for ice time on the same team that has Adam Fox, who just signed a very long contract, is an incredible offensive player, and is not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, and you got, you know, Niels is 5'11", Zach Jones is like 5'10". Uh, and it's, you know, that's going to be an issue. I think, be, you know, eventually one of those guys are going to have to move on. I, I have a hard time seeing Schneider move being moved to be quite honest. Um, because I think he's just, he's a more two way guy, more well-rounded. His role is easily more defined to go with guys like Truba and Keandre and, and Fox. But, you know, I've talked to NHL coaches who have said like, they don't want more than one defenseman on their team being under six foot tall. I'm not saying that's what the Rangers' preferences are, but I think that's a generally well-thought idea around the league that you don't want to have two, never mind three, small defensemen in your lineup. Um, so I think eventually something's going to give here, which again, is a great problem to have. Uh, but it is something that I do think at some point will have to be sorted out. Of course, I guess in the contract, uh, in the context of this trade that this uh Questioner is asking about Vancouver has a pretty notable defenseman under six foot uh, who, who runs the power play as well. Yes, that that would be something uh, there too. Although New York's winning a lot more games than Vancouver is right now, at least yes. over the year. Although Vancouver's won more of late. Yeah. All right. Uh, Patrick McConnell. Oh, we already uh, did we bring this up? Patrick McConnell, you mentioned in your midseason ranking that, that scouts said it's a below average draft. At what point does it stop being kind of quote unquote average? I don't think we, we talked about this. Is, is it is it about the top five? Is it about the very top or is it, you know, just the, the collection? It's a little below average at every point. I feel like a broken record when I say this on the, on, on the <laughs> podcast, but I the drafts usually are defined for me at the very top of the draft. The reason why I feel it's a below average draft is because the very best players are not playing incredibly well this season. So I think 
uh, once you get past like the top five, I think it looks, if you look, if you compare even my rankings in terms of how the tiers look, this is why I, I like using a standardized grading process that helps people look year over year. I think once you get past like the top three, top five, it starts to look like every other draft. All right. I think that's a good answer. Uh, Rogue five, which prospect in the bottom 10 of your first round right now has the best chance of moving up the rankings and why? Do you have them in front of you? Do you want me to read, read to you who these, uh, this pool of players is? No, I, I have it in front of me right now. Uh, I heard I had some people push me on a couple of small wingers, Isaac Howard, Philip Meshars, guys I think should should be higher. Um, I've heard, you know I think both guys, small wingers, typically don't go high in the draft, but I had Howard a lot higher and Meshar a lot higher coming into the season. Um, I could see myself be swayed in the second half to move him back up. I've heard some some buzz about Luca Del Belbelus and Mississauga. Mississauga has been one of the biggest surprises in the OHL this season, and, and him and Owen Beck have been big reasons why. Um, I, I, so I can see if he continues to have a lot of success, um, I can see an argument for him. Um, and those are the ones that would come to mind right away. Uh, Howard and Mesa are both in your top 15 earlier. So that's the, that's the context there is that they, if they kind of have a little bit of a, an uptick in the second half, the path to going back uh, would not be unprecedented. Mitch S wants to know about Tim Stutzla, who he, who he expected to be an absolute star in the NHL. He wants to know if he's been disappointing at all to you because he's not yet an absolute star and uh, in, in why you think he hasn't, uh, I guess, burst onto the scene. I mean, I still think he's going to be. He was 19 coming into this season, just recently turned 20. Um, whenever I've watched him, I've been rather impressed for how he looks as a teenager. You know, these things take time sometimes. Um, I, I think whether it's next year or the year after, I think he'll reach that level. I'm not saying he's going to be like a regular like 70, 80, 90 point guy, but I think he's going to be an impact player in the National Hockey League. It's just, you know, rebuilds take time, develop takes time. I know for Ottawa fans, that can be particularly frustrating right now, but I do think he will get there eventually. I watched him um, over the weekend against Edmonton, and I thought he was really good. I mean, the, the skating pops at, at a way that you just know at some point that's going to um, – and, and, and he is smart enough. He is skilled enough that when you combine all those things together, I still think you're looking at a really good uh, first-line forward and, and potential to, to pop into that star echelon. Yep, I agree. All right. Uh, Michael R. wants to know your thoughts on the year Cole Perfetti is having and his overall development. Do you see him being an impact player for the Jets next year? I'll tack on to that or even by the end of this year in time for the playoffs. Yeah, I watched uh, the last their game last night where he scored his first goal. Uh, I think impact player for a guy his age is probably aggressive. I think I think they wish you should be – if he's a regular top nine, top six guy – by, by next season, I think you're thrilled for a, for a 20-year-old. If he's helping your team win games at all this season as a 19-year-old, I think, you know, you're ecstatic. Like That that doesn't happen very often for a team that's trying to, win, to make it to the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I think his season's been positive. I don't think it's been overwhelmingly positive. I can't say, like, you know, he's defied all expectations, just crushed it in the American League. Um, but, he, you know, he's done he, – while you watch his American League games, he looks – you know the skill playmaking type of guy that's very high end in that in that regard. Uh, whose game doesn't have a ton of pace? Did look same for Canada's U twenty team in the brief amount of time he was there. Um, I think he's on track, roughly. You know, over from where he's been the last couple of years. Not, I would say, overly exceeding or coming. You know, way under that mark. 
I'd say one thing for Winnipeg fans out there measuring Cole Perfetti, like one thing that he's going to kind of contend with that some of the other guys that were picked in the range he was aren't is that Winnipeg's forward core is already really good. And and a player yeah. like Perfetti with the brain that he has isn't going to automatically walk into the power play time that say a Lucas Raymond has in Detroit. That's something that like it, it's that's a that's an area that his game can really thrive that yeah. he's. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, we've seen for years, like, the debate over, like, Nick Illiers or Connor be on the first right. point in there, you know, never mind Cole Perfetti. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so so that's something that you'll have to kind of be patient with, I think, especially with the production numbers. Um, but but he's, he's, he's a prospect that still has, I think, really tremendous upside. Last one's from Brian. He wants to know, of all the places overseas you've had the chance to travel for scouting, is there a place that's your absolute favorite to go? I mean, I wish I could give a better answer because I, I haven't had a chance to travel overseas much over the last couple of years. Um, there was a period there where I was going uh, quite frequently um, uh, pre-COVID. Uh, it's a lame answer, but my favorite city I've been to ha- has been Prague. Um, just an unreal city, unreal experience. Um, you know, uh, whenever I go over to Europe to uh, be, me having a Jewish background, I always like seeing, you know, uh, you know, whether it's Holocaust memorials or things along those lines. And, the, you know, there's a Jewish quarters there that I've got, had a chance to visit, along with an incredible city. And I, I've been to Czech probably the most of any European country, so I've had a chance to see a lot of hockey in, in that nation. Um, and uh, just that city has always been, been kind to me and always been a memorable experience. I have never been overseas, so I cannot uh, answer this one. But I actually hope to. I have a trip tentatively booked uh, for, for the very near future. So hopefully, uh, if you ask this question again in a couple months, I can answer that uh, with at least my only city that I'll have been to. I very, very, very much hope to be in Germany in April for the U18 World Championships. Um, but all you can do is hope. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. Subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. They're going to start you with a 30-day free trial, and then it's just 99 cents a month after that. Right now, annual subscriptions to The Athletic are just $3.99 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon.